Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Um, Acts chapter six, uh, 16, verses 16 through 40. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, we come together at a time of turmoil um, in our nation, uh, hardship that we've been experiencing for months in coronavirus, and then over the past few weeks, particularly rocked by racial issues, division, questions of justice, and what's going on. Um, and when we are hurting, when we are sad, it is, it is good to come to God's Word. Um, and the, the good thing about God's Word is that it, gives, it really does give us everything we need. And so as I have wondered, how should I respond? And as many of you have wondered, how, how do I respond to these things? What are the right words to say? What are the right things to think? The promise of God's Word is that we can start there. And so today we start from God's Word. We don't have to go looking. In fact, this is exactly the next passage in our way through Acts. And yet in God's providence, uh, these words have much to tell us for our current situation today. And so, uh, in, in terms of the situation in Acts, if you were here last week, past couple weeks, we've been following Paul and Silas as they go on their, what's called Paul's second missionary journey. And they're going throughout the Mediterranean to some new places to spread the gospel. And last week, we saw that Jesus said no to them a few times. And they went, and they went to different, they tried to go some places, and Jesus said no. And then they were summoned over to Macedonia in a dream. And Macedonia was a surprising place to go because there was no, or Philippi, the city they went to, there was no Jewish synagogue there. There was a group of a few women who were fearers of God, but not Jews, and they were gathering down by the river for prayer. And that was it. And yet God had gone before Paul, and he began the church at Philippi through the conversion of Lydia. And it, so last time we saw Jesus saying no, but it was all happy. Uh, in the end. Church started, God had gone before. Well, this time, as often happens, uh, when, when God's word goes forth, trouble follows. Uh, as, as Scott prayed against the powers of darkness, the powers of darkness are not pleased. And so we see trouble coming in different forms in this passage. But we see most of all that God is in control of it. So let's read now from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 40. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and are, they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. 
When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and, Je and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning uh, seeking your word. We need help. We need guidance. We need power. And so, Father, we come to you. Would you give us your word this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you speak to us and change and transform our lives? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this may be surprising to some of you, not to my family members who already know this, but I really, really like thunderstorms. Now, I'm glad we're not having a thunderstorm right now. I'm grateful for the beautiful weather. But in general, I really like thunderstorms. Uh, when there's a thunderstorm, I like to go out on the porch and look at the rain come down. Now, I prefer thunderstorms when I'm inside my house rather than out in them. But I do have one particular thunderstorm memory where I really was out in the thunderstorm. Uh, this is way back when I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school and I was on a camping trip. I was on a week-long backpacking trip. And if that's not crazy enough uh, to be on a week-long backpacking trip in the first place, as part of this backpacking trip, this was an organized trip with our youth group, and part of it, we had to go out individually and do a 24-hour solo where they dropped us off uh, with a sleeping bag and a tarp and some water and just kind of left us there for the day and said, well, enjoy your day, enjoy your night, you and God, have fun. Um, and so basically it was just a time to sit out there in nature, a little bit of taking care of yourself, you know, put a tarp over your head, find a place for your sleeping bag, but mostly just time with you and God. So the day was all right. I read my Bible, I journaled, I watched the river. It was very nice. And then as night came, it got cloudy and the clouds came up and the thunder started rolling in and it started raining. So I crawl under my tarp and I'm laying there in my sleeping bag and it, it was no longer entirely pleasant uh, because the water started to run down too. We we're kind of on a hillside. I'm kind of wet. I mean, there is the tarp. I'm kind of tired. I'm starting to be, to be scared. Like, yeah, I'm in a forest. Thunderstorms can't really hurt you in that setting. You're not likely to literally be struck by lightning while lying on the ground, but it's still scary. And yet in the midst of that thunderstorm, 
as the thunder roared, as the lightning flashed across the sky, I was struck, having spent the day reading and praying, I was struck by the fact that the same God who controlled the thunderstorm was the one who was watching over me, the one who knew me by name. And in that moment, I felt an overwhelming sense of peace. I felt the presence of God in that moment, and I went to sleep. And, and a little bit later, our guides came, and they went, came to check on all of us. And they came, and they said, hey, you're okay? You got everything? I said, you know what? I'm fine. Because the same God who controlled the thunderstorm was watching over us. And really, if, if there's one lesson from Acts chapter 16 today, it's that God, in this case, did not send thunderstorms. But God sends earthquakes. When his people were in trouble, when Paul and Silas were not sure what was going to happen, when they had been unjustly imprisoned, they had been beaten without cause, they had done nothing wrong, and very uncertain what their future was like. And God sent an earthquake to set them free. And that is the primary message for us this morning. If you come this morning frustrated, uncertain, uncertain with all that is going on in the world around us, uncertain with how things could ever get better. If you look at this coronavirus and you think, how are we ever going to get out of this? If you look at George Floyd and, the un and his death and the unrest that follows, and look, what hope is there for our nation? Our primary hope is that our God sends earthquakes. And we need an earthquake from God. We need His power. We need His Spirit. But we know that He can do it. He did it for Paul and Silas. And today, on the day of Pentecost on our church calendar, we remember that it's the same God. The Holy Spirit who came down at Pentecost to bring healing and unity is still at work today. The Holy Spirit has not gone away. And so we turn our hearts to Him. We put our hope in Him. Say, God, our only hope is You. That's why the, what we are doing right now is the most right thing we can be doing, to gather in worship. Sometimes we wonder, what, what does it matter? What is this? What, what do we need to do? Well, the first thing we need to do is to worship Him. Because we are not sufficient for these things on our own. No political leader can solve these problems on his or her own. No community organization can solve them. Yes, there are things we can do. There are ways that we can respond. But first, fundamentally, we need God to show up. And Acts reminds us that God sends earthquakes. And He especially sends earthquakes when His people are in trouble. When His people are facing injustice. He shows up with an earthquake. He shows up with a thunderstorm. And so we pray and call on Him. That's the number one message from here. When they're stuck, God sends an earthquake and He takes care of it. So what do we do then? What do we see when we look at the responses to people? What can we do as we, as we, we, we see that our God sends earthquakes? The, the main thing we do is that we have to get on his side. The question of the jailer in verse 30, then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer was terrified, and rightly so. He was caught between Roman authorities who would not be pleased with his prisoners escaping, we, can, we saw that from earlier in Acts when uh, the, the guards let Peter escape by an angel. That would not go well. And yet on the other side, you have the earthquake and the God who sent the earthquake. What must I do to be saved from this God who just broke open the doors of my present, pre prison? It's the right question. And the answer is that we have to get on his side. 
If our God is sending earthquakes, if He controls all things, we need to be on God's side. And the characters in the story show us three specific ways that we can be on God's side in practical terms. So first, we see that we can be on God's side by keeping our eyes on Him. We must first and foremost keep our eyes on God. Secondly, we have to believe in the Lord Jesus in all that that means. And third, we have to advocate for justice and seek justice. So we keep our eyes on God, we believe in the Lord Jesus, and we advocate for justice. First, we keep our eyes on God. We see that most clearly in verse 25. Here are Paul and Silas. They have done nothing wrong. In fact, they have freed a girl from the possession of a demon. This is a good thing. But, of course, those who were making money off her were not happy about it. And so they committed a great injustice. They stirred up a, rob, a mob. They got the governor and authorities on their side. They got Paul and Silas arrested and thrown in prison. Paul and Silas here have every reason to be upset. They have every reason to be discouraged and frustrated. They have been wronged. And their response is to keep their eyes on God. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, that doesn't mean that they ignored the problems. They were praying. They were praying for God's help. They were singing hymns. They may have been singing some of the psalms. The psalms are full of cries for justice, cries of lament. So they were not neglecting or ignoring their circumstances, but they took them to the right place. They kept their eyes on God. And it makes all the difference. In times of good, in times of trouble, we are called to be on God's side by keeping our eyes on Him. And what that does for us is it sets the foundation for any other kind of action. If you look at two houses, they may, you may see two houses that look very similar up top. But if you, go, if you go downstairs and you see cracks in the basement of one of them, that's probably a bad analogy. We don't have basements in Virginia Beach. But in Atlanta, we had a basement. And our house looked nice on top. And yet when you go down into the basement and you see the walls, there are cracks all along the walls. And that said, this house has problems in the foundation. And if we don't fix this foundation, this house could slide right down the hill that it's standing on. And that is not good. And so you can have a nice, attractive, shiny top of your house, but if the foundation is rotten, it will not stand in times of trouble. So as we keep our eyes on God, we are putting together a good foundation. And there are times when we do that in times of injustice, in times of hardship. There are times where our actions and our words may sound very similar to the actions and words of those who don't believe in Jesus, who are coming at it from a completely different perspective. The tops of the house may look very similar, but the foundation is different. And the foundation makes all the difference. The foundation is what we have when things get hard and when trials come, that we can still stand up. And so we have to keep our eyes on God to keep, the, to, to keep the foundation strong. So as we consider how to respond in hard times, whether hard times in our own life, hard times in our culture, we have to keep the main thing the main thing. If you're here this morning, if you're listening, and you're wondering, you, you tuned in to see what Christianity was all about, what we're talking about here, what we have to offer in this time of trial, the main thing we have to offer is Jesus. And you can say, I don't know if Jesus makes a difference, but I can tell you, it does. 
Why does it make a difference? Why does it make a difference if we start by saying we're going to gather and worship? We're going to focus on God. We're going to read our Bibles and pray. What good does that do? It does good because we're putting ourselves on God's side. And God sends earthquakes. And we cannot respond to the world around us until we get our foundation right. Until we fix our relationship with God. So we have to keep the main thing, the main thing. This is what Christianity is about. It is about a relationship with Jesus. It is about coming together to worship Him. Forming a new community in His name. A community that has been reconciled to God and then can turn and love one another. Through our reconciliation to God, we have been forgiven. We have been shown grace. And therefore, we can extend grace and forgiveness to others. We can work and seek justice because we have been reconciled to God. Because we are on His side and He is a God of justice and righteousness. So we keep the main thing the main thing. We keep our eyes on God. And then the second way we stay on God's side is the exact response to the jailer. When he says, what must I do to be saved? How can I be right with this God who has sent the earthquake? And Paul and Silas say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. They did not tell him that he had to get everything right first. They did not tell him that he had to fix himself. They did not first list off all the sins that he had committed. Keep in mind, this jailer was not a just man. He was not, he was not an innocent stooge here. Notice that after he, after he believed, after the earthquake, he washed their wounds. Which means he had not washed their wounds before putting them in pres- prison. He had not stood up for them before. And yet they said to him, the main thing for you to be on God's side, believe in the Lord Jesus. Because he offers grace and forgiveness. So now as you reflect on yourself, one of the reasons we confess our sin every time we come into worship is because we know we're not right. So this morning if you're thinking, I have not done all that I should. In fact, I have hurt people. I have said unkind things. I have not cared about those who need to be cared about. Know that God's call to you is to believe in him. He is not waiting for you to fix yourself. He is the one who will fix you. He asks you to put your faith and trust in Him. Because Jesus died for sins. He did not die for perfect people. He died for sinful people. So this morning, if you know your sin, Jesus died for you. That you might be part of His family. That you might seek His power. And that's where change comes from. That when we believe in Jesus, that it is not just a one and done thing, but that belief in Jesus, real belief, then changes our actions. The first message of being on God's side is that He welcomes us to His side. The call is to believe. And then the call is to act out that belief. What did the jailer do after he believed? He washed their wounds. He was baptized. He demonstrated his faith. He brought them up and let them set and, and set food before them. He welcomed them into his family. These were the actions of belief to bind up those who are hurting, to give, to sustain them, those who have been imprisoned, to care for them, to care for those who are in need. These are the actions of belief. What about for those who have been treated unjustly? What did belief look like for Paul and Silas? They extended grace to the jailer. They extended grace and forgiveness. And so the call to each of us is to see where we stand before God 
and to come back to Him. For those who are standing saying, you know what? I have sinned. I have been unjust. I have been unkind. I have not helped people as I have should. I have taken advantage of people. The call is to believe and then to repent and to change our actions. To see what we can do that is right. For those who feel wronged, who have been hurt by others. The gospel does not minimize our hurt. It does not minimize our pain. It does not minimize injustice. But it does call us to forgiveness. To offer grace even to those who have oppressed us. Even to those who have committed injustice. To offer them the grace that welcomes them into the family of God. As the jailer welcomed Paul and Silas into his family, meeting their physical needs, they welcomed him into the spiritual family. And they said, yes, you can come and be with us. As Peter said on the day of Pentecost, the call is out for all to repent and believe. So we believe in Jesus. We turn from where we are knowing that no one is too far away. There is grace and mercy for all who will turn and put their faith in Jesus. And then to be on God's side, to keep our eyes on God, we believe in Jesus with all of that means, with all of our hearts. And then we advocate for justice because God is a God of justice. Did you catch verse 37? But Paul said to them, so this is, so let me back up a little bit before verse 37. When it was day, verse 35, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. We have no idea why the magistrates thought this. It, the text does not tell us. It does not tell us whether they realized that they were wrong, that they had done nothing wrong. It does not tell us whether they heard of the earthquake and were like, get these people out of here. But what it does tell us is they wanted to do it quietly. Said, let's just let all this go away. And the jailer, even though he has become a Christian, even though he has believed in Jesus, he's like, oh great, you guys are free. And Paul and Silas say, not, not so fast. Our God, our God is a God of justice. And let us see some justice here. Verse 37, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. And so when we think, oh, to, when I said that uh, the, the, those who have been sinned against, which all of us, all of us are sinners and sinned against. This is the dynamic of human life. But when those, I say those of us who have faced particular injustice are called to forgive and offer grace even to those who have oppressed them. Grace does not mean silence. Grace does not mean that there is no time to speak up. Paul says here, yes, I've offered grace and now I'm going to speak and I'm going to advocate for justice that it may be known that these government officials did wrong. And so this is a call for us to consider. What does it mean for each of us in our own ways and places to advocate for justice? I'm a pastor. I cannot tell you exactly what that means in your life. I can tell you what God's Word says. I can tell you to seek the Holy Spirit. I can tell you to walk with wisdom. I can tell you that God is a God of justice. That God wants righteousness to be done. The Bible is remarkably clear-eyed about government. In fact, the Bible is remarkably positive about government. Its government is given to us for good. We are commanded to respect authorities, to give honor to those who carry the sword. 
we are frequently told that in general, those who carry the sword in uh, or the government, the police, the governors, the, the justice system, are there to protect those who do right and punish those who do wrong. That is how it is supposed to work. But the Bible is also clear, like right here, that governments are not always right and do not always do what is just. And so as Christians, we are called to use whatever rights we have to seek justice, to seek justice for ourselves and especially to seek justice for others. Paul here, this is, I think this is one of the first times, but he'll do it again and again throughout the rest of Acts. Paul takes great advantage of his Roman citizenship. Do you see that too? Verse 37, men who are Roman citizens. Hey, I'm a citizen. I have rights. You were not right to throw me into jail. You did not have the right to do that. And he stood up and he used his rights to say, let us see justice here. And so for us here in the United States, we are blessed with many rights. And so the rights that we have here, we, God calls us to use them for justice. We can seek that justice in our own lives. For many of us, that is our calling, to seek to do what is right to others, to treat people fairly in our personal dealings, in our business dealings, to listen sympathetically to the experiences of others, to give weight and value to the experiences, not to challenge them or disbelieve them. That doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that they say. But when people, when in, this, in this current situation, when other people talk about having suffered injustice from police, to say, wow, that sounds hard. That may be different than my experience. I may not agree with all your conclusions, but I'm sorry that that happened to you. I'm sorry that you feel that way. To validate and legitimize those. And then to seek what is good. These are hard issues. It is hard to know how to do justice well. We have here in our congregation, we have lawyers, we have police officers, we have people in the justice system who know how hard this is how hard it is to do well. You can listen to them. You can talk with them. We can think together about what it looks like to seek justice as a society. We have the right to vote. We can vote for justice. I wish I could tell you what that means. I, 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 don't, I, I can't. God's word does not tell me who you should vote for. But it does say you should vote for justice and vote for, for men and women who will reflect God's heart for the poor, for the oppressed, for the goodness, good of the society. So that some of you may be wanting more specifics, and I, I really don't have them for you. Um, if you're interested in ways that you can learn more, I told the discipleship cohort this morning, uh, this this morning. If you want to learn more about understanding people cross culturally, about understanding racial differences and the experiences of others, I would encourage you to seek out those experiences. I have all kinds of ideas. Just so many, I can't put them into a coherent list uh, or into a snapshot for you. I may be able to, but I can certainly give you some ideas if you want to know more about how you can learn resources to pursue and understand. But what I can tell you is that what we need most is God. Because our God sends earthquakes. And we need earthquakes. We need earthquakes in our own lives. We need earthquakes in our city. We need earthquakes in our nation. And if we, if we see a God who sends earthquakes, we need to be on his side. He welcomes all who will turn to him in true belief. True belief that manifests in actions. That shows itself in repentance. That welcomes other people in and advocates for justice. That takes advantage of all that God has given us to seek justice for ourselves and for others. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. 
for this day. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word does give us everything we need to understand the world around us. But Father, your word does not give us exactly what to do in every situation. So we pray for your Holy Spirit. Would you give us the wisdom to apply your word rightly, to know that what that means in each of our lives, to know what that means for us as a community. Would you do this by your mercy and by your power? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.